Hey, I'm Kay He. Welcome to Forward Thinking, a podcast about recreating your career, brought to you by Quartz and supported by J.P. Morgan Chase. I would come in, I would work a full day, and then I would change clothes in the office bathroom, and then go, you know, grab something to eat, and then go to comedy clubs at night. I was burning the candle at both ends. I wasn't crazy enough to go, I want to do comedy. I should quit my job. I was not that insane. That's Leanne Lord, who left her job in corporate communications to pursue her passion in stand-up comedy. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Delaney, editor-in-chief and co-founder of Quartz. Hey, Kay. So you were managing director at BlackRock, and you decided to reinvent your career at that point. And you know a fair bit about burning the candle at both ends. I guess many career reinvention stories must start in a bathroom stall at your office. I would sneak out away from my desk at the end of the workday, go into the bathroom, get out of my clunky Brooks Brothers khakis, and change into kind of like the hip New York streetwear, ditching all of the relics of my corporate existence. And I would head downtown to these parties that I had secretly organized. And I would try my hardest to bring together all these different industries, scientists, engineers, philanthropists, just to put them in a room together and see what magic would happen. But also selfishly, I wanted a lens into the cool stuff that they were doing as a source of inspiration for my own career. I wanted to work on Wall Street. I wanted to, you know, be in the pit selling stocks. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. What came with that? Joe? Money. I wanted to make money. You know, I and I thought that's how you did it. Like I even went when I was in high school, I did those like summer business leadership programs. Oh. Yeah, I was I was pretty intense. I was a pretty intense kid. Um, like for my 18th birthday, um, my parents were like, what do you want? I'm like, I want an IRA. Because <laughs> oh. I'm looking at the future. I don't know how we're going to do this. That makes two of us. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was a weird kid. I was a weird kid. But then I went to college, which is where you get to expand and explore and, you know, sort of come off the page, if you will. And I discovered that I liked writing much better. And what about that nagging question about making money in a career? Where was that at that time? Um, well, when I got a regular job and I, w I was making money, well, I, what I thought was good money, it was just money. You can go from nothing to a real job. It's like, oh, I have money now. And then you learn about taxes <laughs> <laughs> and real world costs like rent. And you're like, I'm not making anywhere near what I need to make. So take us back. So you start off, you graduate from college. Mm -hmm. And you're in a corporate communications role? Yes, yes. I worked uh, in corporate communications as the assistant editor of employee communications, which was essentially the newsletter to employees at the time. Well, here's the thing. I got the job and I wanted the job because I graduated during a recession. So I, I, I felt very fortunate. But then when I got there, I knew by the second day I'd made a terrible mistake. And I will say it was a good job. Uh good benefits. The people were nice. It wasn't a hard job. I could do this. I just wasn't meant to be there. Yeah. I took the first job, the first corporate job that was offered to me because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. So I kind of gave up on, at that point, theater and thought, oh, I'll take this regular job because that's what I, that's the expectation. And yeah, my heart said, no, this is wrong. And so your, your heart starts giving you signs. <laughs> yeah, which is, I know that sounds crazy, but. No, yeah. it is actually super relatable. It's early in your career too. And oh, so yeah. You can't quit 
five days in. No, I, I, I did not feel like I could quit at all. And um, I, I'm of two minds. One, I recommend having a job that you hate because it inspires you to find out what you really want to do. But I can say that in hindsight. <laughs> I was miserable for quite some time, you know, a couple of years. And I'm embarrassed about this now because it took a while for it to dawn on me that if I'm unhappy, I have to figure out what to do. No one's going to swoop in. No one's going to call. No one's going to rescue me. That's my job. Yeah. And so I had to set about figuring out, okay, if I'm miserable here, what am I going to do? And I literally started taking classes. And so I, I took a class in stand-up comedy uh, to sort of get my mind working. In first the, one. First one. First one. Is this something that's a career possibility at this point? Not yet. Not yet. I just know that I'm very excited by it mm. and I can't not pursue it. And I took this eight-week class, 10-week class, and around, I don't know, week six or seven, I lose my nerve. I got, I got scared. I got scared. And my, my teacher at the time, who I guess knew this was one of the steps, you know, was fear, he said, go to a comedy show. Just go see live comedy. And I went and my ego said, these people are terrible. I could do better than this. Mm. <laughs> you always think, oh, yeah, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. But it got my courage up again. And the end of the class was getting on stage for five minutes. Uh, that was your graduation, which seemed like an eternity to be on stage. And it is when you're new. Five minutes of comedy is a long time. And no one threw anything at me or told me to get off the stage. And there was more laughs. And I was hooked. Okay, so you, like Leanne, were straddling these two careers. How do you know when it's time to actually shift from one to the other completely? For me, straddling two careers was almost like my petri dish of experimentation for ideas and business models and even just activities that I knew I would enjoy in my next career. Leanne took a similar approach in the sense that she started with a class and then started just logging her reps as a stand-up comedian. And then she began building a network with comedian peers, getting side gigs. And ultimately, she took a buyout when her company was doing layoffs to go out on her own. I would come in, I would work a full day, and then I would change clothes in the office bathroom and then go, you know, grab something to eat and then go to comedy clubs at night. And I would, well, I would start, you know, in the early evening with open mics. Okay. I was burning the candle at both ends. I wasn't crazy enough to go, I want to do comedy. I should quit my job. I was not that insane. And in that group of people in the bars waiting to audition, mm -hmm. how many of them had day jobs? It's hard to tell. I think most people did, yeah. you know, because you, you have to eat. And I, I will say that I don't think I could do that grind now. Because you're working, you know, 9 to 5 or 10 to 6 or whatever your shift is, you know, depending on the type of job that it is. And then you're not going on until late. And then there's the hangout afterwards. Wow. Which is, you know, you and your cadre of friends or, you know, a couple of comics will go to a diner and do your set postmortem or you're talking about the club or the club owner or the booker or whatever it is about the business. And that's, that's an important part of the process because you're making friends. 
you know, most of the gigs after a while that you get or many of them will be because someone knows you mm. or knows of you or can recommend you. So the hang is important. Yeah. How long did you do that until, well, what was your tipping point I need to get out? Um, well, I was burning the candle at both ends and I don't care how old you are. That takes a toll. You know, but I was doing it. I was doing it. Yeah, you can take but so many cat naps in the bathroom <laughs> at work. You yeah. know, you're snoring in the stall and someone's like, are you okay? <laughs> so my attentions, you know, got split. And I came up with this idea. I remember I presented it to my boss because I knew I was, I was still doing good work, but I was tired. And I offered to drop down to part-time. So I did the part-time thing for a while but even then, it's, it became difficult because then I got good enough that I was traveling. You know, I was going on the road, and you can take but so many sick days and vacation days to do that. And that's what I was cobbling together. And finally, it got to the point where I'm like, I have to make a choice. As luck would have it, uh, air quotes here, they were doing layoffs, and I volunteered. Had you set up some kind of backup plan or contingency plan? The bookstore. That was it. I will go back to why, because one of my college jobs was working at a bookstore. I'm like, oh, I'll just go work at a bookstore. And yeah, no. I guess I could have been smarter about that. I just I was too young and excited to think about the like the future like that. Like, I was like, I am doing something that I love and I'm making money and I'm going to go leap and do it. Okay, from your experience and people like Leanne you've spoken with, do you think it's a good idea for people to follow their passion when they're thinking about career reinvention? I think that it's a little bit misguided to just angle towards passion because it's a very complex thing and hard to decipher. I think that the better approach is to create the right circumstances and environment from which passion will emerge. So that could be working with awesome people who inspire you and bring out your best energy. That could mean being able to tap into your creativity in your role or in your company. And it could also mean just having a true north that you orient towards a purpose or a, a cause or something that you care about. And from that set of circumstances, I believe passion is more likely to emerge. Thanks to JP Morgan Chase for supporting forward thinking which showcases the bold individuals who have challenged the status quo to recreate their careers. What defines our jobs? For a lot of people, it's the title. But Janice Badler's story shows that instead of thinking about our careers in terms of titles, maybe we should be thinking in terms of skills. That's what she did. Before joining the J.P. Morgan Chase Foundation in 2013, Janice spent 10 years at Unidos U.S., the largest national Hispanic civil rights and advocacy organization in the United States. Today, as the J.P. Morgan Chase Foundation's president, she oversees philanthropic investments that help more people share in the rewards of a growing economy. On paper, that looks like quite a leap. But Janice said that the collaboration skills she developed working in nonprofits helped ease the transition to corporate culture. In the nonprofit sector, you often have to get a bunch of different people to work towards a common goal, even when their specific interests don't overlap perfectly. These skills have come in handy time and time again in Janice's role at J.P. Morgan Chase. Working in Washington, D.C. in the policy advocacy space, I did a lot of coalition work. 
You don't get anything done in DC unless you're working in coalition, you're working in partnership, and you're navigating the complicated interests around the table and trying to rally people around a shared and common objective. This skills first conception is a powerful way to think about our careers, especially when we're transitioning from one path to a very different one. When I left my Wall Street role, I realized that one of my most valuable skills was my ability to bring people from disparate industries together. Janice had a similar revelation about her own career. In terms of transition, those coalition building skills come in handy every single day in my job, whether I'm trying to get our executives to understand a major initiative that we're rolling out, get their buy-in. That's what I'm doing. I'm uniting multiple interests. Those coalition skills, uh, which quite frankly was never something I thought to put on my resume, I, I took for granted that that's what, how I got business done in Washington. You too can think about your career in these terms. For example, you may be in sales, but your functional skills are your ability to build relationships and solve client problems. This kind of thinking can make a big difference in your career. I never would have thought about how to articulate that coalition building skill for a new job, but in fact, it's so critical. So think of your work functionally, not just in terms of with the titles that you've held, because those functional skills are going to be what allows you to move into a different role when you apply them now on a new track. So I would give people who are looking to transition between careers and move to a different track to get both very clear and also very creative about how you're articulating your actual skill set. Thank you to JP Morgan Chase for supporting Forward Thinking. Next time, Janice tells us how she navigated between the nonprofit and for-profit world. We'll start with the obvious ones around size and scale. JP Morgan Chase is 260 plus thousand people working across the globe in dozens of countries around the world. Unidos US was up 115 people, I think, while I was there. So just the, the scale of the place and making the transition from an organization of that size into a large corporate is just different and how, how they operate. It's an organizational cultural difference that I think matters because it's, it's in these nuances where I think people can get lost. J.P. Morgan Chase believes there is a pressing need to expand access to opportunity and help more people move up the economic ladder. The firm is taking a strategic, data-driven approach to doing just that, which includes a $500 million commitment to driving growth in cities through their Advancing Cities initiative. Learn more at jpmorganchase.com slash advancingcities. When I first realized I was like I, that I wanted to do comedy, I felt like I should tell my parents. And I did the divide and conquer. You know which parent is more approachable than the other. You don't let them be a united front. And so I went to my dad first. And I said, Daddy, I, um, I've given this a lot of thought, and I want to do stand-up comedy. And my dad said to me, what took you so long? He had seen something in me. Um, and we talked about it further. He said, listen, you've done everything your mother and I expected of you. you. You went to college. You graduated. You're a fully functioning adult human being. And he said, honestly, anything where you get to talk for a living, you'll be fine. And they were hoping lawyer. <laughs> but 
comic is fine too. Um, and they they were supportive but nervous because I think any parent will be nervous for a kid, a young person taking a, a job or a path that's not secure. You know, and you could be an entrepreneur building an app in your garage and your parents are still going to go, I don't know, How this, is this computer thing a thing? You know, they're going to be nervous. I'm just lucky that they let me have my head about it and let me do it. You talked about the move from stability to instability. instability. Yeah. What were some of the sacrifices that you had to make as a result of that? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't, well, plenty of sacrifices, but when you have a steady paycheck, how you manage your financial life is very different than how you manage it when the money doesn't come in regularly. So you have to learn uh, to be responsible. You almost learn to be your own accountant. Um, I didn't realize the change, the absolute change in lifestyle it would mean for me. As a comic, as a performer, I work at nights. I work on the weekends. Regular people or day walkers, as I call them, they they work from nine to five and then they go out and then they're out on the weekends. And so there were a lot of friend and family events that I missed, you know, because I would either be working at a club at night uh, or I'd be traveling. I'd be on the road. So there was quite a bit of social things that I gave up on or had to sacrifice not being at. The trade-offs that you've made with relationships, have they been worth it? Yes and no. I did what I had to do earlier in my career. I got smart, though, and I'm like, I can't give this career everything. Uh, Partway through, I'm like, you know what? I miss my friends. I miss my family. And I said, I want to have as much of a normal life as possible. And so I began making time for my real friends. Mm -hmm. Anybody can get so caught up in work that they forget what's important. But I, I think I did as many things as I could to, and still do, to stay grounded and real. I'm never going to say I wish I worked more. I'm never going to say that now. You did the thing that a lot of people talk about, follow your passion. Yeah. What do you tell a college graduate that wants to follow the passion, Um, knowing what you know? Yeah, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Passion smashing. (laughs) Get a job. Get a job with benefits. Be able to pay rent. Make your parents proud. But, (laughs) But I do try to be honest about the realities of what this is. This is hard. You will work harder than you will for someone else if you want to be successful. So again, there is a level of hustle that you have to be willing to do. And not that I dissuade. I mean, I do, but you're about to work, you know, and you need to be good with that. But you said your parents are proud of you. Yes, they are. Uh, My proudest moment, I got to perform at the Apollo Theater, which is huge. And when I first started, you know, I used to bring my dad out to my shows with me. You know, he hung out hard. You know, he was he was such a super dad. Like other comics knew him. You know, he was he was like everybody's comedy dad. But for the show at the Apollo, I remember we were 
walking up the block, 125th Street, and my name flashed on the marquee. And I said, like a five-year-old, I was like, Daddy, do you see? And he's like, yeah, baby, I see. And that was such a moment for both of us. It was, you know, me getting to perform at the Apollo, my dad getting to see me at the Apollo. And it was almost as if the investment paid off, the belief in me paid off. We're not alone when we make career changes. We have lots of other constituents in our lives. And one constituent group is our parents who, for big chunks of their lives, have invested often their identity in what we do professionally. How do you navigate that? The parent question is near and dear to my heart as my parents sacrificed so much of their lives to get us good educations, which would then lead to good jobs. And then guess what? Hi, mom. Hi, dad. I'm quitting with no plan. But figuring out what your parents' values are and the job and career are just a vessel for you living those values. And so, yes, they were terrified about the risk that I took. But as they saw my newly recreated career, they saw that it was focused around things I was passionate about, flexibility and freedom, mostly in service of showing up as a father, a colleague, and a husband. And they too had this moment with me when they said, you know what, we thought you were crazy, but we see exactly why you did this. What's your definition of success? Wild amounts of money. (laughs) No, um, money's nice. You know, there's something to be said for security. But success is sticking it out, having perseverance, developing expertise and respect in whatever your endeavor is. You can't attach a dollar amount to that, but being someone that others want to work with and knowing that you're, when you show up to do the work, it's good work. That's success. Good work, well done. Good work, well done. There you go. Well, thank you so much. Honey, thank you for thank your you. Thank you for inviting me and asking me to be here. So Leanne has performed at the Apollo Theater. She's really made a career in comedy. But where is Leanne today in this journey? Where does this leave her? Leanne is hesitant to offer up career advice because she's got a balanced perspective on it. So in one sense, she has totally knocked it out of the park with building a 15-year career. But on the other hand, she is quick to point out that it's a grind. It's come at the expense of friendships. There's the volatility of providing for yourself and, and being your own source of income. And so it's a reminder that for all recreators, the grass is always going to be a bit greener, but at the same time, everyone has the agency within them to take those steps to make that dream happen. Thank you for listening to Forward Thinking, brought to you by Quartz and supported by J.P. Morgan Chase. If you want to learn more about recreating your career, please visit qz.com work. And to learn more about me, your host, please visit radreads.co. 
This podcast was produced by Jessica Glazer and Oluwakemi Aladesui, with additional production support from N2 Communications and original score by Hannes Brown. In the next episode, I talk to Ryan Fitzgibbons. He left his job at IDEO to start a new magazine, one that redefines what it means in the mainstream to be a young gay man. The magazine's called Hello Mister. I think I use the phrase rebranding gay as my mission just to propel me and to sort of hold me accountable to some form of reclaiming our identities. That became the design challenge.